Episode 6. Today we talked to Pastor Pete Watts about his book, Prodigal Father. It's an amazing story of redemption and reconciliation, and I promise you'll be encouraged and inspired. Welcome to the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast, where we believe you can change the world with your words. Follow an indie author and pastor and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on how you can honor Christ and change the world by writing fast, writing often, and writing well. I'm your host, Tian Doan. Now let's get on with today's show. So today we got Pete Watts, Pastor Pete Watts here on the line, and we're here to talk about his new book that's coming out in a couple of weeks called Prodigal Father. So uh, Pete, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to be on with you uh, today to talk about my book. So, uh, Pete, um, uh, we know each other. We're friends. We work together in a lot of different things. But uh, why don't you tell uh, everyone out there who you are, what you do? You wear a lot of hats. So go ahead and, and just uh, uh, give your little bio there. Cool, man. So my name is uh, Peter Watts, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Uh, been uh, here again, of course, my whole life. Uh, been uh, 20 plus years in public school education. Um, then I uh, planted a church uh, in 2007, 2008 in the Los Angeles area. Um, and uh, after 21 years of uh, education and about, um, about eight years of bivocational ministry as a charter school principal, um, as a teacher, as a pastor, um, I decided to leave public school education and come on uh, to do full-time ministry for an urban missions uh, organization called World Impact. Um, and so I have been serving uh, with World Impact uh, for uh, the past two years uh, now. Um, and, and currently I am the uh, regional uh, vice president for uh, our organization. So, uh, Pete, we, we, we know each other doing some ministry together and... Man, you, you wear a lot of hats. You, you've done a lot of things. You're a teacher, principal, entrepreneur, uh, pastor. You run a thrift store. You uh, work with World Impact. You ran a charter school. And now, as if it wasn't enough work, you decided to become an author. Uh, <laughs> what's up with that? Yeah, man. I mean, this, uh, this idea of uh, writing um, a book uh, was, you know, some dream that I've always had. And, you know, a lot of times if you... I mean, in my circle, uh, you know, pastors, uh, church planters all want to, to write books, right? And so uh, so I've always wanted to write a book, but I uh, never knew, like, what I would be writing about, if I'd be writing about leadership, uh, or if I'd be writing a book about education. Um, I just didn't know. And, uh, and this book uh, came about um, unexpectedly, uh, because this book came about uh, through uh, my journey um, of 30-plus years of, of really— uh, trying to uh, reconcile uh, with my father, uh, who uh, was on Skid Row, um, and so uh, being uh, uh, a pastor, um, charter school uh, leader, uh, church planter, um, all that stuff. Uh, this book came out from completely left field, uh, in some sense. But um, but when I when I sit back and think about it and reflect on it, it's really part of. Uh, my whole story and who I am. We'll, uh, we'll get to the, the details of that book, and that's actually I want to spend the most of our time in talking about the, the, the story of that book. And I remember you telling us, I don't know if it was at a prayer meeting or something, about, about um, how you just 
your dad came back into your life, and it's just such an amazing, captivating story. And I'm glad you 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 wrote it down for everyone else to to gain from you know from that and be inspired by that. But uh, tell us a little bit about just your background and your influences and how all the different people that God used in your life to, to shape and mold you. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great question. I, I was posed with that question a, a couple of days ago. Um, and really, uh, I think the biggest influence uh, on my life, uh, was, uh, three people, um, uh, or three men in my life. That would be my grandfather, uh, who I essentially grew up with uh, after um, my father was no longer in the picture. Uh, then there was my high school football coach uh, who was there for me in my uh, teenage years and in my uh, formative years. And, and then uh, my uncle, uh, who was uh, really the disciplinarian, <laughs> uh, if you will, uh, in my life when um, I wanted to be a knucklehead and my mother uh, couldn't uh, uh, handle it. And so he would step in. Uh, and these three men were uh, integral parts in, in who I became uh, as a man, as a father, um, and as a husband as well. Uh, and then when I got into ministry, um, I can truly say that uh, the ministry aspect of my life, um, I have to give respect to uh, my pastor, um, who allowed me to um, uh, operate in the ministry at the church uh, in Compton, where I uh, received my call in the ministry and cut my teeth uh, in youth ministry, young adult ministry, and uh, and preaching and, and 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 pastoring as well. So, you've been a communicator, and you speak to a lot of different people. You have that gift of communication. You have that gift of that entrepreneur, the teacher gift. Uh, where did the interest um, for writing come in? Did you always want to write, or was it something that was just a subsidiary of the ministry? No, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always, uh, my wife would tell me all the time, even today, uh, Peter, the, the worst place for you to visit is the neighborhood in your head. Uh, and she would say that because I'm always dreaming, always imagining, always coming up with stories and scenarios uh, uh, in my head. Um, and I've always been like that as a kid. I would uh, write songs. I would write music, um, lyrics. I would uh, write uh, stories uh, in elementary school. Um, and so I just really loved writing. I didn't like reading, uh, but I loved to write. Uh, and so when I went to college, my uh, undergrad degree uh, was in mass communication um, with an emphasis on uh, journalism, uh, print journalism, and, um, and television and film. Uh, and so, uh, so that love for writing has always uh, been there. Even in high school, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was part of a hip-hop group that my friend and I started uh, at our high school, uh, and we would go around uh, performing um, and writing our own lyrics and uh, you know, telling our own stories of growing up in the neighborhood in Compton and uh, being uh, trying to be a positive influence to uh, to the people to our peers uh, that were our age who were uh, involved in gangs or selling drugs and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we were part of that conscious uh, uh, movement uh, in high school during the 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 eighties in in beginning of the nineties. And so uh, so yeah, writing has always been a part of my life. My first job. 
uh, what out of college it, it was through an internship I did um, uh, with a with a company called uh, Bailey Broadcasting Radio Scope, um, and I started off as a as a, 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 a an editorial assistant, um, and then eventually became a, a journalist uh, for this uh, radio syndicated uh, program. Um, and it was like back in the day before the internet uh, was a thing. Uh, this was like TMZ for the radio for urban culture. Uh, and so I had an opportunity to, to do a lot of journalism writing um, back in the day. Um, and what really um, gave me the, the, the big push or the big challenge in being a really good writer um, was my editor, uh, who was a hater. <laughs> and so uh, I remember doing my first piece and I turned it in. And it felt like I was in high school again because my editor turned it back, gave it back to me uh, and said, this is nothing but uh, 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 mindless psychobabble. Uh, and that broke my heart. It made me I was I wasn't confident in my writing skills anymore. Um, and so for a long time, how old were always, you? Oh, man, I was like 20, maybe like 22, 23. He wasn't even it, trying to help you. He was just criticizing, huh? Right, right. It was, and it was a she. She, um, uh, and she, you know, she was, she was a top-notch writer. Um, uh, and you know, one of one of the writer, one of her assistants, um, uh, assistant journalist, uh, is now writing for um, Essence magazine. And so, uh, these were top-notch editors, um, you know, in black culture for for black culture. And so, uh, you know, so getting that feedback, it wasn't constructive, uh, really. Yeah. Um, it was really denigrating to me. Um, yeah. And so my confidence as a writer really depleted. Um, <laughs> and I remember uh, going to uh, grad school um, in, in seminary, uh, and I would always <laughs> break out in highs, you know, figuratively, uh, when it came to uh, doing uh, papers, term papers and uh, research papers and things like that, because I always had in the back of my mind, don't do mindless psychobabble <laughs> and so writing this book uh not only uh brought my confidence back uh, well not only tells my story but it also really was a um was some kind of therapeutic process for me you know uh i just i just had this memory here you were talking about writing um rap songs being part of a, a hip-hop group i remember uh we were hanging out someplace with a bunch of dudes, and we were talking about who our favorite uh, uh, rap uh, rap artists are, hip hop artists are, and you were clowning me because I said I like Coolio. You remember <laughs> that? You were clowning me. I said I like Coolio, and then uh, you popped on a, a YouTube video of of you rapping back in the day, and it was hilarious. It was hilarious. So yeah. I just, that's what I remember. It's like Pat. What is that's Pastor Pete right there? But right. Uh, we we right. I I would link that uh youtube video but i don't want to disqualify you from ministry so we'll just pretend it's not there <laughs> well the, the real people who know my ministry they, that's all i care about you know <laughs> they like that they like that yeah they love it they know pastor Pete's down that's why yeah so uh one of the things that uh i i found a video of you that i actually didn't know was out there and i'm actually going to put the audio up on this uh this podcast later on but the the video was uh you reading a letter to your younger self and uh it's called uh it was like 
hey, little Pete, you wrote, you wrote this letter to yourself. And I just thought that was such an amazing, amazing, uh, just a piece of, of, I mean, it was, it was poetry. It was art. It was moving. So um, I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to play the audio for the people. And then let's talk about that. Okay. All right. Hey, Lil' Pete, I just want to let you know how proud I am of you. Your life is beyond what you expected, and it's all because of God. The picture with your mom and dad and your younger sister, I see the smile on your face, but it was at a time when no one could understand. You were confused when your mom and your younger sister had to flee in the darkest of the night just to escape the abuse of your father. I know it was difficult and you wondered what would become of you. Well, that's a part of your story and your journey as a leader. You had nightmares from the times when your father would come by your grandparents' house to visit you just because he wanted to see you. But it was when he was out of his mind because of the drugs that he used all the time. You were afraid because you were wondering if he was gonna kidnap you again at gunpoint and take you away from your mother. You were afraid when you would watch your grandfather try and protect you from your father as they wrestled in the backyard and you watched through the bathroom window, hiding and afraid. Just know that those experiences help to make you a better father. Look at your smile, your little chocolate drop. You are black and you are beautiful because as your grandmother would tell you, God don't make mistakes. Although throughout your elementary to high school years, you weren't comfortable in your dark skin. Well, guess what, little Pete? Your dark skin was kissed by nature's sun and your dark skin is an oil field, precious and beautiful. When they used to tease you and call you Tar Baby, now those same kids Understand that good black don't crack. Look at you in college. Finding the love of your life. And the beautiful children that would come out of that union. Lil' Pete, you're going to be a fantastic father. You're going to be a fantastic brother, a fantastic son, and a great husband. But even more than that, God is going to call you to be his mouthpiece as a preacher, speaker, minister, pastor, and even a charter school principal. Yeah, that little kid that was overlooked because he was too small, not intelligent enough, not vocal enough, will become one of the city's most prominent leaders of faith and social justice for the poor 
in the great city of Los Angeles. The food stamps that your mom collected, it was just another part of your story that you'll be able to inspire others with, to encourage, to empower, and to equip people who come from the same situations as you did. Little Pete, you don't know this now, but God is going to use you as a servant in the city. You're gonna be a great leader. You're going to lead young men and young women in schools and education. You're gonna lead young men and young women in ministry. Little Pete, I'm so proud that you didn't give up. I'm so proud that you didn't listen to the naysayers, that you didn't hold on to the negative attention and the negativity that was thrown your way. When those editors would tell you that you couldn't write, when those teachers told you that you weren't smart enough, when those people talked behind your back and said cruel things about you, I'm so proud of you that you didn't give up, that you didn't listen to the negative noise, but you stayed the course and you believed in yourself because there were other people who believed in you. Lil Pete, go and be everything that God has called you to be, no matter what. Because when you're done, he'll say, my good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. Now let, let me make you ruler of many. Letter yep. to your younger self. Uh, what inspired you to write that? Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. I um, when when I was in my educational career, um, part of what I did um, as a principal and as a leader uh, was to get continued uh, professional development. Um, and so I was part of a, a cohort of uh, educational leaders um, that. Uh, went through this whole process of uh, discovering who we are as leaders um, and what does it mean to be a leader of color uh, in the educational space. And so one of the things, uh, one of the projects that we had to do uh, was based off of uh, what um, Oprah Winfrey would, uh, did on her show some years ago um, when she had these uh, different celebrities uh, write a letter to their younger self. Um, and it was, uh, what knowing what you know now, what would you have love to what would you have loved to have said uh to your younger self what kind of letter would you have loved to have to your younger self and so um so that was the that was the impetus for uh writing uh that piece and so uh and in writing that piece it caused me to really step back outside of myself um and to look back over my life uh, and reflect uh upon all of the the the, the journey um uh, of my life uh, that it that is that it had and you know the ups and downs in my life and so uh, so that was um, uh, so that was really uh, what that uh, project uh, was about and so um, I ended up uh, uploading it um, to uh, the internet to YouTube or Vimeo or something um, and uh, put it out there and and I've been getting a, a really a great response um, to that letter uh, really because um, uh, it's me being open. Uh, and honest uh, with myself uh, and with my younger self, uh, which I wish uh, I could have been when I was that younger self. 
what what did that do for you in just writing those things down? What did that do in your heart? Um, it's it was part of the reconciling process um, that I went through uh, personally uh, with my with my dad. Um, that uh, that piece um, allowed me really to uh, reopen an old wound uh, that I was ignoring uh, for a long time. Uh, and so, and, and this was my- before we haven't gotten to that story yet. But this was yeah. before. Uh, you 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 got back in touch with your dad. Correct. correct. So you, you think before. if you didn't do this, you the story might have been different. Uh, right. right. You think the story might be different. I, you know, I, I might have uh, 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 ignored it. Uh, yeah, ignored it or uh, even discounted uh, what God uh, was doing in my life had I not just faced the issue uh, that has been prevailing, uh, you know, on my life this whole time. You know, one of the things that, that, uh, well, there's two things that just jumps out at me when I listen to uh, you reading that letter. Uh, The two words are, are uh, vulnerability and empathy that, that you are just so vulnerable um, but you're, you are also empathetic about yourself. And I imagine, you know, growing up the way you did, um, you probably weren't vulnerable much and you probably had, uh, didn't have a lot of empathy for yourself or, you know, it was, it was kind of survival. So, um, how does that, you know, those two ideas, vulnerability and empathy, I mean, uh, do you see that now in a different light? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, the vulnerable piece uh, is um, it, it's what I call uh, my superpowers, but it's also my kryptonite, right? Uh, and so, uh, and what I mean by that is um, I uh, have no problem with being open uh, and vulnerable uh, to people um, and even to the public um, because, you know, even sharing my story is, uh, is me being vulnerable. Um, about my shortcomings um, and about my fears and uh, and all of those different things, but it also it's also my kryptonite because uh, when people know where you are vulnerable, they almost have a tool uh, to use against you, uh, and uh, and so uh, so that that is uh, that's part of um, the the gift and the curse. Um, the the other part about being empathetic um, is understanding. Um, my story uh, completely to understand someone else's story who's dealing and struggling uh, with the same thing. Um, And so I can empathize uh, with people uh, who are going through uh, an experience of, uh, of what, of what we call fatherlessness um, uh, in our, in our, in our, in our nation, in our communities. Um, And it, and it hits uh, everybody. Um, um, and so I'm able to be empathetic with people, even if we grew up on the different sides of the tracks, uh, if you will. Was, was the most difficult person to be empathetic with first, uh, yourself? Was that yeah, hard? I think, I think it was uh, hard to be empathetic with myself because, uh, 
you know, part of part of that vulnerability and, and being empathetic um, uh, on the unhealthy side uh, always forced me to try and prove myself uh, to other people. Um, and so going back to what we talked about with my editor, um, you know, from the time that she told me it was mindless psychobabble, um, my whole life was really striving to try and prove that I was a good writer um, or to prove uh, that, uh, uh, you know, not having a, a father uh, didn't affect me or, uh, you know, trying to prove, you know, just really trying to prove myself, um, and, you know, and, and when it comes to uh, comes to my faith, um, uh, we I, I can end up on the unhealthy side of that in trying to prove myself to God for his his already extended grace in my life. How uh, how has that journey helped you and how has it helped others? You know, the you getting more in touch with your 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 vulnerability and your empathy. You know, how how has that affected yourself and others? Oh, man, Um, I just get so many uh, different um, uh, connections and I've been in so many different conversations with people uh, who uh, have experienced uh, this whole fatherlessness issue. Um, I have uh, really uh, found myself um, uh, being able to work with people um, who uh, who come from you know some of the similar backgrounds and community uh, that I've come from, um, who you know experience uh, fatherlessness, and in uh, being able to uh, connect with them um, has uh, helped me. Uh, see uh, that uh, I'm not the only one uh, in this world uh, that's experiencing that kind of uh, thing or or issue in my life. And so it lets me know that I'm not by myself. Um, It lets me know that um, that there are uh, um, there's an opportunity uh, to even create supports uh, for young people um, who are growing up uh, without fathers uh, in their lives, or even uh, those fathers uh, who want to um, uh, uh, reconnect with their kids but don't know how. Pete, I remember us uh, at a meeting. I think it was at a prayer meeting or something like that. And you told us this crazy story about getting a phone call from the hospital. Uh, why don't you go ahead and 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 uh, pick it up from there? Yeah. So. Um, it was on Cinco de Mayo. Um, yeah, it was on Cinco de Mayo, uh, of 2017. I was in a meeting, um, with, uh, some, uh, church planters and pastors. Um, and we were actually, uh, talking about, uh, you know, funding for these, uh, different church planters. Well, I get a, uh, I get an inbox on Facebook, uh, during the meeting and I, you know, uh, as a good uh, um, person that has ADD, <laughs> I check. I'm checking my text messages and emails during the meeting, and I look at this inbox, and it says, um, "It says, uh, Peter, this is um, this is a social worker from um, California Hospital. Uh, could you please give us a call?" Uh, and I was kind of concerned because I was like who is it that's inboxing me from California hospital? So immediately the first thing I think is something's happened, you know, with one of my kids or my wife or somebody in my family. 
and so I step out of the meeting and I call the hospital um, and the social worker picks up the phone and she uh, begins to ask me questions. She says, hey, is uh, she says your name Peter Watts? I said, yes. She said, uh, did you live in Carson? I said, yes. She said, do you pastor a church in L.A.? I said, yes. She said, then we think we found uh, the right person. Uh, we want to let you know that we have your father, Peter Watts. And I was like, what? And you have to realize I haven't had I hadn't had any contact with him in over 30 years. Uh, and so and, and you're junior. He's senior. Pete Watts senior. You're a junior, right? He's Pete Watts senior and I'm Pete Watts junior. Yep. And and so when 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 she said that and this uh, is crazy because I was in that meeting. I was in that meeting. I, I was probably teaching something and you weren't listening, checking your email. But uh, yeah, I remember you being there. <laughs> no, because uh, you came back after taking a phone call. You're like, what? You know what? This is crazy. And so yeah. I remember pr hearing that. And, and this story just is going to unfold. In a, it's only it's only a God thing, right? Yes, yeah, only a God thing. Only so, a God. Thing. So go ahead. Why don't you just uh, tell us? Yeah. So um, so I uh, so she says, we think we found your father. Uh, Peter Watts Sr. And I was floored. I thought I thought it was a joke. I thought I was dreaming. Um, and she said, we have him at California Hospital. She said uh, he fell out in the street uh, near Skid Row and, uh, and a, a good Samaritan um, helped him up, called 911 and stayed with him until the ambulance got there. Um, and when he got to the hospital, uh, we asked him if he had any next of kin, and he said no. He said, but what he does know is that he has a son that pastors a church in Los Angeles. And so the hospital Googled my name, and World Impact came up, and my church, The Rock, came up. So they ended up contacting uh, some employee from World Impact who then sent me the inbox message on Facebook. And your ministry uh, with World Impact, you do skid row ministry. You work with a lot of different people, even in those same circles. Correct. So, yeah, World Impact, the uh, ministry of World Impact uh, is particularly focused on the empowerment of, the, uh, of what we call the urban poor um, or uh, what we call uh, under-resourced and underserved communities. And so a lot of our work... Uh, are with uh, communities uh, such as Skid Row, uh, the Union Rescue Mission, um, and then neighborhoods that are blighted uh, where uh, the poverty level is really high. So this was Cinco de Mayo. Uh, you got this uh, uh, phone call from the hospital. What'd you do next? So I came back into the meeting. I said, hey, this is crazy. I said, I have to leave. Uh, I, I think I found my father. Um, and so I got in my car, I called my wife, told her to meet me at the hospital um, because I just, I, I was in a daze. And so I remember driving down uh, the 110 freeway, praying uh, to the Lord, uh, just asking for his uh, grace in the situation because I didn't know how I would react when I saw him. I didn't know what state he would be in. I didn't know what he would look like, um, you know, and so. What, what were you thinking? What, what kind of things were you thinking? Uh, all those thoughts from uh, that letter started to come back of, man, I haven't seen you in forever. Uh, you left us. 
um, you uh, used drugs, you abused my mother. Uh, but at the same time, uh, deep down in my heart, I just really wanted to see uh, my father, who I'd been searching for on Skid Row all those years. So tell us about that that search. I mean, so you haven't seen him for a while. God calls you into ministry. You start doing inner city ministry, Skid Row ministry, and and some of your time there was asking about if your dad, if people seen your dad. Correct. Yeah. So uh, there was a, there was one in, one story I remember uh, happened a couple of uh, about a year or so ago. Um, we do this thing at my church called Impact Sunday. And an impact Sunday is what we call a serve Sunday. Whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month, we don't have church. Uh, we go outside into the, in the community and serve on that Sunday. Uh, so this particular uh, impact Sunday, we decided to go downtown uh, and partner with one of the church planters that I work with, uh, with World Impact, who does a church plant on Skid Row. And I remember going down there on that Sunday um, thinking to myself, I might run into my dad down here. And so I remember serving uh, food that morning uh, and praying with people and looking at this long line of men and women uh, who were coming to be fed and to be prayed for and thinking, what if the next person in line is my dad and would I recognize him and would he recognize me? And, uh, and so when the pastor of that church, Jennifer, heard about my story she sent me a text message and said the lord told her that he wants her to help me and so she got a community of people from skid row who are homeless together and said we want to help this pastor find his dad because we think the connections down here and the, this this tribe and community down here in skid row might know him and so i had a group of homeless people uh who had a picture of my dad that i sent to to the pastor who made copies who were going around putting up pictures at hell's kitchen um uh, putting up pictures in different uh, places where they hang out in front of places where they sleep uh, on my behalf to help find my dad uh and so that was just you know that that experience of serving down there that one sunday uh, was incredible to me because I was going down there expecting that I was going to give something to them uh, when, in fact, uh, they empowered me uh, by giving something to me. You mentioned in that letter that you wrote to yourself, to your younger self, that 30 years before your dad tried to was it, did he try to kidnap you at gunpoint? I, I mean, was that yeah. part of it? I that mean, that's that's not, that's almost too too crazy to be real what's what's that story yeah so um third and third grade well so i grew up with my dad my mom and my dad and my younger sister um my dad was uh entrepreneur uh, he uh, did roofing um, so he owned his own roofing company he was highly intelligent high school diploma um but really really smart um and he started using drugs and when he started using drugs, he started to lose his mind. So my mother no longer could deal with it. So she decided to leave. Uh, and so we went to go live with my grandparents when I was going to the third grade. Mm -hmm. Well, during those first 
couple of months as we were transitioning from living with my dad to living with my grandparents, my dad still wanted to see me. Well, my mother was allowing him to see me under supervision. Mm -hmm. Well, one day he came to visit to see me and he was high on uh, PCP. And he came to the door. He said, I want to see my son. And my mother brought me to the door and he pulled a gun out uh, on my mother and said, give them to me. And my mother, of course, was petrified uh, and let me go. And he grabbed me and took me and threw me in his truck and drove me back to our house in Inglewood where we lived. And, and I remember that night being with him uh, and him being paranoid uh, from the drugs. And every time he heard a siren, uh, he would turn the television down um, and keep the house dark with the curtains closed, uh, saying that they were after him um, and they weren't going to, to get him. Uh, well, once the drugs wore off, he became repentant uh, and sorrowful um, and took me and brought me back to my mother, you know, apologizing. Uh, and so th that was a constant. Uh, he did it with me. Uh, he did it with my younger sister. Uh, and so that was just par for the course. Uh, so, of so it was Jekyll and Hyde huh? when, when he was on the yeah. stuff. Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Yep. So when did you lose contact? That was eight years old, third grade. Uh, uh, when, when was the last time you saw him before just recently? Yeah, that following year, uh, fourth grade uh, was the last time I had talked to him and saw him. And the last time I talked to him was uh, him telling me that he was going to give me an allowance. Um, and I remember going to the mailbox after school every day looking for that allowance money in the mail, and it never came. And it got to, at some point, um, it got to a point to where I stopped looking for that allowance and I stopped looking for him. Whew. So there's a lot of water under the bridge in 30 years, a lot of resentment. Um, so what happened when you finally got to the hospital? Yeah. So when I got to the hospital, um, uh, I walked into the, as I was, as I was going up the elevator with my wife, uh, I was in constant prayer of God, soften my heart, soften my heart. Um, because I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. I wanted to tell him about how bad he hurt my mother, how bad he hurt me. Um, how, uh, because of him, we you know, were on public assistance, um, you know, and all these things that, that came up in me, uh, and my confidence, um, as a young boy growing up, um, just wanted to give him a piece of my mind. Uh, and the closer and closer I got to the hospital room where he was laying in the hospital bed, the more and more I felt, uh, this supernatural, like release of, of, um, of resentment, uh, and anger. Um, so instead of, wanting to give him a piece of my mind, uh, when I actually saw him laying in the bed, I felt sorry for him or felt bad for him um, uh, at that point. And, and I guess I began to see him with the eyes of Christ um, and how Christ would see him um, as this uh, broken, 
individual uh, who uh, is in need uh, of redemption and restoration. Um, he looked like everybody else that I've come into contact with on Skid Row. Uh, and so it just started to make me think about the different stories of people on Skid Row uh, who have families that are probably searching for their dads and their moms and their sisters and brothers and cousins. And, and because of life circumstances and, and because drugs, uh, 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 you know, being a drug addict is often not a choice. Uh, at some point it just becomes a sickness. And so uh, I began to feel uh, empathy for him, uh, to use that word. Um, I began to feel empathy or I began to sympathize and begin to feel empathy um, uh, at the same time. What'd you say? What'd you say to him? Um, I said, hey, Peter Watts. <laughs> I said, it's me, your son. And he was like, hey, hey, man. And then I grabbed him and I hugged him while he was laying in the bed. Um, and what was really interesting about that was um, he did not know how to hug me back. Hmm. What, it, what do you think that was that, about? That he himself is wrestling with the fact that he messed up he deserted his family he made a he made a he made a choice um uh, that has had um, detrimental effects on his life um you know he he realized that he missed out on high school graduation and college and uh, uh you know, your kids Seeing me getting married and not yeah. not seeing grandkids and you know all those things. So uh, and, the crazy, and the crazy thing about it uh, is that uh, he has been near me in terms of mileage. He's he's been he's been near me all these years, about two miles away. And in all of the ministry that I've done and all of the neighborhood involvement that I've had, we've never had an encounter. You probably weren't ready for it. Right. From me being in ministry where our church is to where my charter school was, uh, where he lives uh, with his friend. Um, my charter school was on 35th Street and his friend's house that he stays in now and where he has been staying for, you know, all these years uh, is on. Uh, uh, 40th, 40, 45th Street or something like that. Just a couple miles, a mile, a mile or so miles, away. Or so away, all these years. So uh, give us the um, give us the the rest of the story after the hospital. It's, it's been only what? It's, it's been six months. Yeah, it's since been six that, months. So give us uh, w uh, the story after that. What happened so, after that? So after. Uh, reconnecting with him, uh, the real work started. You know, there was this elation um, and celebration of this reconnection of this possibility of uh, uh, of restoring a relationship, this possibility of getting to know uh, my dad and actually getting to know myself, uh, things that I probably didn't know about myself growing up, that he could tell me things about another part of my family and my heritage uh, in Louisiana that he could tell me. And so there's all these, all this great expectation and possibilities uh, coupled with 
the reality that he has 10% of his heart functioning left because of all the years of drug usage, coupled with once he gets released, where does he go? Coupled with my mother lives with me, so there's no way that he can come be at my house. Coupled with I don't know who he is and what connections he has and, you know, in navigating this system, you know, of social services. And so thinking through all of those things uh, over the past six months uh, has been uh, uh, joyful and painful, joyful in that learning a little bit more and more about myself and about his side of the family uh, and painful uh, in that sometimes I feel helpless uh, in, in being able to help him. Uh, and I'll give you an example. When he was released from the hospital, the hospital uh, got him a stay uh, for two weeks at a recuperative care center um, where they would feed him, administer his medicines, um, and make sure that uh, he got back uh, to some sense of uh, strength in his body. Well, after those two weeks were up, he needed somewhere to go. And so with my connections through World Impact and through ministry, um, I started connecting with the Union Rescue Mission to see if I can get him a bed, to see if I can get him medical services and all these kinds of things. And, and uh, Union Rescue Mission is the largest rescue mission in the nation. Isn't that, isn't that right? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. And uh, and so when he got released from the recuperative care center, I picked him up and I took him down to the Union Rescue Mission because I had a uh, relationship with somebody there who was going to get him a bed. Well, it turned out that he had to get in line like everybody else that was there to get a bed when they became available. And so... For a whole day, I spent a day inside the Union Rescue Mission with my dad amongst about 300 other homeless men who were waiting for beds. And that experience in and of itself was just eye-opening of the about the overwhelming need that surrounds us uh, our crisis um, in L.A. when it comes to homelessness. Uh, and so, uh, but again, God was even present in that experience because as I was sitting there, uh, I was being introduced uh, to other men that were there who were homeless who told me, hey, you don't have to worry about your dad. We're going to help take care of him while he's here. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like amazing God things that would happen. And so, um so what ended up happening is that uh, I got him situated, he got a bed, and I told him I would come back the next day because I had an appointment with the uh, clinic that was there to uh, to get a checkup for him and to get his medications and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so the next day, I went to the Union Rescue Mission, and he was gone. Wow. And I was like, oh, snap. What, what, what were you thinking? Like I you were eight, thinking, uh, eight years old again? Yeah, basically, uh, I was I was like, here we go, right back at square one. Um, but then I got a phone call 
from an unknown number uh, on a Sunday. I was preaching. That was on a, I think it was on a Friday. That Sunday, my phone rang in the middle of service, and I didn't <laughs> answer it, of course, because I was in the middle of preaching. Well, when uh, when the message was over, uh, I checked my message, and it was a voicemail from a guy uh, who said, hey, your dad, Peter Watts, is with me, um, and my name is Andrew. And so I called the number back, and uh, Andrew said, hey, your dad stays here with me um, often. Um, and this was the house that was on 40-something Street. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, so uh, your dad said uh, this is where he'll be staying because he didn't want to stay at the Union Rescue Mission. And so after I got that phone call, I went to go see him. And sure enough, he was there. And so um, I got an opportunity to talk to him um, and ask him, you know, what it was that he felt like he needed at that moment. And, and I'll never forget because uh, my wife was with me and she asked him, she said, so, Peter, do you want to get whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to do you want to be better, get better? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how can I pray for you? He said, I just need you to pray uh, that I have a new future. And so uh, so that for me was impactful. It's like, OK, he really, you know, he wants to turn his life around. So I went into overdrive and trying to find resources and uh, to facilitate these resources on his behalf. Well, I ended up uh, hooking up with a ministry up north uh, through uh, Francis Chan uh, because uh, Paul Chan, his brother, was on uh, was on staff at World Impact. So uh, I connected with Francis Chan and his ministry uh, up there up north um, uh, in the Bay. And they have this ministry for uh, guys that are recovering uh, for a year. Um, it's the old uh, mobile home park that sits on the marina. Um, and they take these guys in and they give them jobs on the marina to clean the decks, clean the boats. Um, and then they do some discipleship stuff uh, with them um, and helping them to uh, come over their uh, their addictions um, and to uh, center their lives around Christ. And so uh, so I got that bed for him um, and it was Fourth of July weekend which was my anniversary weekend. And so I talked to my wife. Um, I talked to him. He said he wants to go up north for the year to get better. Uh, and so instead of celebrating my anniversary, uh, my 23rd year anniversary, my wife and I said we were going to drive my dad up to San Francisco. Well, on that weekend, I called Andrew. And Andrew said, your dad is gone in the wind. So here we go again. Back to square one. And wow. so literally it's it was uh, from the Fourth of July weekend up until this past weekend that I had not seen my dad again. So he showed up again. So he showed up again. And and the way he showed up again was the same way he showed up when I reconnected with him after 30 years. I got a phone call from L.A.U.S.C. Memorial who said, hey, uh, Peter Watts. Um, we have this number on file for you and uh, your dad fell out in the street again. Uh, well, he was, he was having a hard time breathing. The ambulance picked him up and this is the number we have on file. Um, and we want to know if you would come and pick your dad up. And so uh, this past weekend uh, probably was, probably was one of the most difficult for me uh, because 
going through this yo-yo of emotions uh, is really draining. Um, it's really uh, 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 discouraging. Um, at the same time, uh, I know that the spirit is telling me to press through it because there is going to be joy on the other end of it. Uh, it, uh, or there's going to be healing on the other end of it, whether or not I have a relationship with my dad or not. And so it's, it, it's, uh, somebody told me, uh, this, this past weekend, um, when I was talking to them about what was happening currently, um, they said, you know, it, it reminds me of Paul when Paul says, uh, you know, there's this thorn in my flesh. And this person said, and your dad is your thorn in your flesh. Um, but Paul also said, but my grace is sufficient. Uh, and so that's what I am holding on to uh, now in my life is that the grace of God is sufficient enough for me to handle this thorn uh, that's in my flesh. Uh, and so uh, when I went to pick him up, uh, he um, just last week. Yeah, just, uh, literally Sunday. Just a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago, Sunday, to take him to his friend's Andrew house. And as I was taking him back to Andrew's house, I said, listen, we can't keep doing this back and forth. We can't keep doing this back and forth. Um, I said, you either want the help or you don't. I said, because when I had help for you, you disappeared. And he was like, I know, I know. He said, I, he said, I wasn't ready. He said, but I'm ready now. I'm ready now. And when I went to pick him up this time, I intentionally brought my son with me. And now my son is 22 years old um, because I wanted my dad to see what he's missing out on and the legacy that he's leaving behind and how he could literally be a part of that legacy. And so when we were driving him back, uh, my son was sitting in the back seat right next to him. This is my son's first time ever interacting with him so uh so that was you know a story in and of itself and so i had my son introduce himself to my dad um and tell my dad about him and what he's doing and all that stuff and um because i really needed my dad to see that there's a group of people that are out here around him praying for him and hoping for the best for him uh and so um so i dropped him off uh, at andrew's house um on sunday night um, went back yesterday uh, to go see him um, and uh, and got connected to another ministry um, that does recovery work called Free Church. They're out in, they have a ministry called uh, the Men's Ranch um, out in um, Yukaipa? Uh, Lake Elsinore. Is, is that the Set Free? Yep, Set Free Church. Yeah, okay. They're doing some good yep. work. Yeah, they're doing some good work. And so um, I have a buddy uh, through my relationships with World Impact. I have a buddy at the Southern, that's with the uh, Southern uh, Baptist uh, denomination. Mm -hmm. And he's connected to them. So he connected me with them. And so I'm going to be uh, part of my work this week is uh, reaching out to them and, and getting a bed for him. And then eventually taking him out there to to this uh, men's ranch. So through, through this whole process, um what what is God teaching you first? Yep. What is he teaching you about yourself? And then what yep. is he teaching you about himself? So what, what, what are you gaining from all this? Yeah. So in my 
book, I kind of talk about it in a chapter called For Grieving. Um, I thought that the work was about forgiveness, but I've realized that it's about for grieving. And I get that word for grieving from um, this theologian, um, Wolf. Uh, he, he talks about for grieving. Uh, and for grieving is the, the process of, of, of grief and really going through those stages of grief before you can go through, before you can get to forgiveness. And I didn't realize that that's what I was suffering with. I was suffering or dealing with loss um, and dealing with loss as if I was dealing with someone who had passed away um, as someone who deals with grief. Uh, and so when I, when I began to understand that, that's what, that's what I understood that God was really trying to uh, do in me was to help me uh, to go through this process of for grieving. And, and in going through this process, um, I'm realizing about myself um, that my biggest hurdle that I will that I have to to deal with uh, is abandonment. Um, and abandonment comes from uh, of being rejected. Uh, and so when I look back on my life and I think about what I talked about earlier when it came to striving uh, to try and prove myself, um, that all is centered around uh, being rejected and being abandoned. Uh, and so when I feel like uh, someone uh, who I have a relationship with, uh, whether it be ministry relationship as a friend, uh, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's with my kids, if I am being rejected, then, I, then there's this fear of abandonment that comes about and I begin to uh, behave in unhealthy ways um, that's not beneficial to me uh, at all. Uh, and so what God is teaching me about himself uh, is that one, his grace is sufficient, uh, but that two, that I am his beloved um, and that he accepts me uh, even uh, if the rest of the world rejects me. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. You... Uh, you said something that just like jumped. I never heard of that for grieving. Uh, that's that's amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know where I read it they, uh, somewhere about forgiveness. They said that for forgiveness to take place, something has to die. You know, something like you have to die to your old dreams. You have to die to your old past. You have to die to revenge. And, um, you know, it seems like God has been doing all this to do something inside of you. And, and so what is God teaching you about, about who he is? What have you learned about him in that process? Uh, what I've learned about him uh, in that process is that uh, he is a prodigal that, that, you know, there's a story of the prodigal son, uh, but uh, I named my book prodigal father uh, because the word prodigal uh, really is it really means when you squander um, or you uh, or you lavishly uh, spend and give uh, towards something. Um, and what God is showing me about himself is that he is a prodigal father to me in that uh, he is willing to uh, give it all and squander it all uh, for me. 
just like the prodigal son uh, squandered his wealth uh, that was given to him on you know foolish living, uh, God uh, squanders uh, his grace and his mercy um, and his forgiveness and his restoration. All of that he 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 did it through Christ. Uh, when Christ gave his life for for me, um, that was that was God being the prodigal father towards me. So that's what he's showing uh, showing. Uh, me about himself. Uh, are you making? Let me let me hear this. I, there's some ra something radical here. Are you making the connection that that your own father, you know, who's let you down, uh, that you've done the same thing to God, that it's reverse somehow. That that it's re say it again like that the way that you know your father has let you down in just the same way you've let god down just as much yeah i mean there are times in my life where where i have let god down um and that's why uh that's why i always have to offer forgiveness to my dad uh because i can look at myself and my own life towards my own towards my heavenly father and realize that uh, i do the same thing Wow. So Cinco de Mayo, you get a phone call on a say de, de Mayo. I don't know how you say six. Seis, seis de Mayo. You go see him. And then you just start writing the book. When did you start writing this book? Oh, I started writing the book maybe about a month later. Um, and you, you, you said that you have this insecurity about writing. Uh, what compelled you to write this down, and was that process hard? Uh, what compelled me to write it down was uh, because I'm a blogger, um, and because I am vulnerable, I share my story, my life, um, really as an open book um, about things that I struggle with, about things uh, that I get excited about, about things that I dream about. Uh, and uh, I have a, a friend uh, who is an editor, um, and uh, has a publishing company, um, and I reached out to her. I said, hey, I feel like what this story that about me and my dad, uh, I feel like God wants to use that story for his, for his, for his glory, not to sound like uh, you know, Je uh, Jesse Jackson used his story for his glory, you know? Uh, but, um, uh, but I feel like God wants to use my story um, to, to, to draw people to him. Uh, and, and so this editor, uh, said, so I said, so what's the process? Do I need to start from scratch and just start writing? And so the editor said, no, she said, you're a blogger. I follow your blogs. Um, I follow you on social media. I know your, your videos you do, um, uh, and all that. And so what she, what she did was she said, collect every artifact that you have that you've ever spoken about this whole thing about your father and about your life and this, and how it's affected your journey. And so I took every Vimeo video, every YouTube video, every single blog, every single sermon that I preached, um, and I sent all of that, what I call data, uh, to my publisher. She took all of that information and began to put it together in story form sent it back to me and said, okay, now read this uh, in story form 
and use it as a as a uh, as a platform to continue writing. And so it gave me a basis uh, to begin the story um, and to begin to talk about uh, this journey of, of the prodigal father. Wow. So she she really helped you with the content development, getting your thoughts straight. Um, like if it wasn't for her, what, do you think you could have completed this project or, or what do you Never think? Never in a million years. Nope. Okay. So she gave you, uh, I mean, it, it was your material, but she spit it back to you in a way where it was, it's kind of like your first draft. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It was my first draft. And, and then she said, so, um, and she said, a lot of times uh, as writers, we get writer's block um, and it's hard for us to begin writing. She said, even if you want to, because you, you have the gift to speak. So even if you want to talk, if you want to do it verbally, she said, record it on your iPhone um, of what you want to say, you know, and telling your story, send it to me. And then I'll uh, uh, basically turn it into a first draft form and send it back to you. Uh, as a as a first draft for you to you know again use it as a piece to begin continuing the writing. What did you think when you got it back? When you start reading it, what was the man, first thing that came to your mind? You're like, first man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm a buy. <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind is uh, that God is not a waster. Yep. That every video that I did, every blog that I wrote, every uh, sermon that I preached, that it was all for such a time as this. That it was. Uh, uh, culminating for this first project, uh, my first writing project. Uh, and and so that was the first thing that came to my mind, that God is not a waster. Do you think you could have seen all that, that unifying thread if it was just you looking at all that stuff? Not at all. I wouldn't, I, I, I would not have uh, seen it as a unifying thread. I, um, <clears throat> I would have, I only saw things, uh, um, some things in part, like I would see, uh, the stuff that I did in education and the, st with young people and the stuff I did with church planting as being a part of the same story, but I never saw my life with my dad in the journey that I've had in finding my dad as the unifying force for the whole story. So there are bits and pieces of church planting. There are bits and pieces and stories of being a teacher and being a charter school principal and starting a charter school. Um, but this journey and this story of me and my dad, it's almost like the the thing that surrounds all of those pieces, that, that ties all those pieces together. Because when I think about some of the young people that I taught or some of the young people who I mentored, I began to think about the fact that these kids gravitated to me because they didn't have dads. Hmm. And so I became a father figure for them. And so in writing this book, it allowed me to reflect and look back on those defining moments in my life and how those defining moments were all tied to my own story. What do you it, hope? What What do you hope will come from this book? What What do you hope? What I hope is that uh, people will hear my story about my journey of forgiveness, 
and reconciliation, or I should say about for grieving and reconciliation uh, with my dad. So it gives them the courage to forgive and reconcile with their earthly fathers so that their relationship with their heavenly father uh, can be much better. My other hope with this project is that those dads that are out there who are absentee fathers will be challenged to take a step towards reconciling with their families, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't mean that they have a relationship with them, but that those relationships uh, get reconciled. So are you one and done? Uh, are you going to be writing some more or is, it, or is this it? No, I'm, uh, I, I got another project um, that I'm going to be working on um, uh, pretty soon. Um, and the project that I'm working on, it, it stems from this book. Because uh, as I was when I was talking to my editor um, and I made mention of uh, of a piece in my book about my marriage and how fatherlessness affected my marriage, um, she said, and that's the piece that you use for your second book. Uh, and so I've been I, I kept a um, I kept a, a, a journal. Um, uh, it was a 30 day devotional uh, that I did um, on my own. And out of that devotional uh, came uh, all these things um, uh, uh, over 23 years or 25 years in, in uh, with my wife, um, 23 years married, uh, and of all of the things that affected our marriage because of my relationship with my dad and her relationship with her dad. And so even in our marriage, uh, daddy issues uh, can affect a relationship and marriage. So my, my next book that I'm working on, um, is, uh, is about, uh, about my, my marriage and, and the journey that my wife and I have been on, uh, over the past 25 years, um, and three kids in college graduated from college or graduating from college, um, and us being, um, you know, being, you know, in it to the end, um, and how, and what it took for us to get to that place. You uh, are you using the same process uh, with your editor, or are you uh, kind of taking this one on your own? Yeah, I'm going to use the same process with my editor. Um, same process. So, so that 30 day uh, devotional that I did, um, uh, I'm going to give that all to my editor, um, and we're gonna. Uh, she's gonna look at it, tell me what works, what doesn't work, send it back to me. Then I'll begin using that as my um, springboard to begin writing the different chapters for, for this new book project. Uh, just curious, how, how much work did you put in after she sent it back to you? Like, was it 50% done? 70% done? Or like, like yeah. how much work was it to, to get it to uh, ready for print? Yeah, uh, it was probably about 40% done. Um, because... When I got the first draft back, back, those blog stories, those videos, those sermons, they weren't complete because those were all things that were written and done before I had found my dad. And so it was like me continuing 
the story or continuing the journey or continuing the thought process that I had when I first started doing those writings or those sermons. Uh, and so I still had to spend time creating more content based on what I was currently experiencing after reuniting with my dad. And so it helped to unfold some of the uh, uh, things around reconciliation, you know, around forgiveness, because, you know, before it was just a concept. <laughs> uh, but when it hit me in the face, I had to deal with the raw emotions of the fact that, you know, what if I really don't want to reconcile? Because I don't want to do the hard work of it. And I had, I had to reconcile with myself about that. Um, what would you say to those writers out there who are like, um, you know, hesitating? What I would say to the writers that are out there um, who are hesitating is the same thing I said to my congregation this past Sunday. When God gives you a project uh, in your heart to do, it's upon us to just get started and do it. Um, it's an assignment. Yeah. Everything that everything that you have experienced in your life um, is for a purpose and a reason. Um, everything that all of the all of the challenges that you you may have experienced, God wants to use those challenges uh, again for, for for to make His name famous, and not necessarily your name famous, but to make His name famous at the end of the day. Uh, and so He gives us all these different particular assignments in different ways um, and if it's the gift of writing and the gift of storytelling uh, then use that gift before you lose that gift that's a good word uh pete how can uh people find out more about your book i know it's on pre-sale right now it's going to be releasing in like a month or something like that a few weeks how um talk about how the uh, people get could get in touch with you your blog so, uh, yeah, where can they find out more about your book and, and, and your ministry? Yeah, so my, you can find more information about my book uh, at my website at peterwattsjr.com. Uh, and on that website, there's a, uh, a page called Prodigal Father. You click on that page and you can order the book online or you can get it, on, get it at Amazon um, or on the Amazon Kindle uh, right now. Uh, for pre-order. The book is going to launch on December the 16th um, is when the book will be out. Um, we're having a book launch party on December 17th uh, at the church, uh, and the church is called The Rock Church in Los Angeles. Um, I go to the rock.org uh, is the name of the uh, website for our church and my personal website um, for my ministry and my book um, and speaking engagements um, and for bookings and things like that. Uh, is peterwatts.com or peterwattsjr.com. Well, Pete, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was uh, so amazing and inspiring. And I know that God is going to continue to unfold this story. And, and I just love how he's shaping you. And I just want to say to you, man, you got to keep on writing uh, because you have something to, to share. And so I want to thank you for coming on the show. Man, I want to thank you for uh, having me um, and being my first interview. Uh, so uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share my story with you and with 
your listeners and and I just uh, pray for uh, your ministry and even this podcast uh, and those writers that are listening um, to be encouraged uh, by that story as well. Okay, God bless, Pete. All right, bless you too, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. We hope you found it helpful. If you like the show, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast or by leaving a rating or review. You can connect with me on my website, tndone.net, where I have lots of helpful resources available to you for free. My website is tndone.net. That's spelled T-H-I-E-N-D-O-A-N.net. See you next time. And remember, you can change the world with your words.